evening from Dubai and good afternoon Europe and good morning US. We have seven speakers from three continents all in one room. My name is Sharat Agarwal. I'm the CEO of uh, Cybergear and founder of OnlyWebinars.com. This is the third webinar, which is part of our What's Next series. And today's conversation is going to be about the evolving workplace and how we can empower a hybrid workforce. I think the topic is very relevant for present times. And um, I want to first introduce our panelists. I'll start with the usual suspects. Uh, John Scott, he is coming in from New York. Uh, he's a change maker and an expert on uh, leadership. We have Arnaud Collery, he's coming in somewhere from France, I think. He moves like a satellite. Uh, he is a human ever and uh, runs a personal growth platform out of France. And then we have Rajiv Daswani from Dubai, good friend and runs his own happiness coaching center. And we have three new panelists uh, for you, Lorraine, Antonio and George. And I'll allow them to introduce themselves uh, right away. Lorraine, over to you. Thank you, Sharad. So hi, everyone. Um, I like to describe myself as a catalyst for change. I work with my clients, which are oftentimes multicultural corporations on, um, on uh, collective dynamics. So with leaders and managers in different countries and different languages. I had the pleasure to work with John Scott in the past a lot and Antonio as well. Um, and so I work uh, a lot on how to remove barriers between decision and action and to how to empower people uh, in corporations. And I think it's, a, it's a, a topic that is even more important now because I really believe that with the hybrid workforce um, that we have in corporations now, we can see how people have made more decisions and been uh, adjusting to the situation. So I think there is really something there that we need to, to focus on and to follow up. Antonio, I'll hand Thank the you, virtual talking stick to you. Virtual talking stick. Hello everybody, I'm Antonio Mesa, originally from Mexico, but working and living in France for the past 17 years. I'm a facilitator of collective intelligence processes and a coach. I'm also a graphic artist and graphic facilitator. I had the pleasure to work in that capacity with John Scott and Lorraine on several occasions in different continents, having always a very good time. And I'm very glad to participate in this very relevant conversation and joining people that I admire and respect a lot. So with that, I pass it to George. Thank you very much. I have the talking stick. So yes. my, name, my name is George Hopkin. Um, I'm in the UK. I'm in Nottingham at the moment. Robin Hood country. Um, I'm a journalist by trade. These days, um, I operate a content marketing agency called Special Noise. Um, I've been in Dubai three times. I've lived in France and in Spain and the United States and in Canada. Uh, back in the UK now, these days, I, I tend to call myself a digital gadfly. Sometimes I try to tell people inconvenient truths about how they need to be talking a great deal more about some of the things that we're gonna be talking here. Um, and looking forward to talking about that a great deal um, today. Great. Thanks, George. So I think uh, we are good to get started with our conversation. And I think over the past 16 months, everyone on the planet has experienced a new way of working. Those days of nine to five, I think are over. And the new mantra, seems to be fail fast, learn, and repeat. Do you agree, John Scott? <laughs> I had a feeling you were gonna kick it right to me. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's certainly one way of, of going. I think that, you know, having the courage, and this is something I focus on with my clients, is, is cultivating a courageous uh, leadership style and way of working where people are looking across options that they may have not considered before. So that's going to take a, a failure appetite. Um, and I don't use the word failure with clients in, in nomenclature. It's just, how are you learning? How are you 
adapting? How are you growing? Because you know the adapting leading generative organizations are those that are going to thrive and succeed in the near term and long term. And I'll, I'll kick that right over to Loren uh, for your your feedback. Yeah, well, um, as I as I said when I took the floor, I think that we have a, a shift that is accelerating that trend towards allowing for more people to make important decisions. And so I hear a lot about the, the way teams have been adjusting real fast, sometimes and oftentimes, I would say, faster than their own leaders. Um, and now uh, those leaders are have an opportunity, actually, to capitalize on what those teams have been able to face and to do. And I think it's, it's really a great time to realize what can be done when we trust the teams and when we rely on the teams more for decisions that are not at their level, but decisions that can be um, engaged and engaging something, sorry, uh, their team or, or even their organization sometimes. Great. Rajiv, you want to comment? I, you know, I, I love it. I was hoping that you tap on me. So Lorraine, love it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just emphasize what you just said and summarize it. We, I wrote the four words down, you know, adapt, you know, adapt, rely, rely on your teams where we heard that before. Right. So as many organizations think about this word relying, well, you know, moving away from, you know, from, from the, I must do it to, we must do it attitude, trust, you know, the elephant in the room, how can we bring more of this, right? And as we bring realization and being awareness that, you know, the pandemic has taught us so much, we start to now evolve as organizations. I guess if anything has come out from this pandemic is a realization that something has shifted in a good way. We can also look at the shift, right? So lots of juicy meat here to talk about. George, mm. I'm throwing it over to you. Yeah, right. So I heard two words there as well. Must and trust. Trust is all, absolutely uh, essential to it all. And we must we must do this because these trends have been coming for a while. You know, digital nomads were things that we were talking about a few years ago. We work at one point was going to take all of New York, I believe. You know, OK, that didn't work out too well. But the whole idea about remote working in, in shared office accommodation was a trillion dollar industry a few years ago. Let's not forget about that. The COVID, all that has done is just focused everyone's attention. It's like the entire population has jumped out of a plane and some people are Googling how to open a ripcord, how, how to pull a ripcord, how to open a parachute. Some people are saying, how hard is the earth really? No, it's too late. We are committed to this. Economies and workforces around the world want this and they're going to demand this over time. That's my take on things. Arnaud, do you want to comment? Sure. Um, maybe in a way, I'm just saying what everything else, everyone else saying in a different way. But I just came uh, an hour ago, come back from a, a personal um, storytelling purpose, personal growth retreat in the middle of nowhere, gorgeous in the Basque country. And there's a bunch of CEOs there. And in the last two months, I had so many. Um, um, uh, opportunity to, to voice my uh, opinion on personal growth in a company uh, all over Europe and France and US that, that usually doesn't hire someone like me. I'm, I work in tip management for, for now seven years, but my background is the one of an adventurer, of an artist, of a, an entertainer. I'm not a consultant by trade. I'm not a PowerPoint dude whatsoever. And all of a sudden, there's a need for people like us who have a different voice? It's really for me. I would just sum up in one in one in one sentence. In one sentence, is personal growth is there to to stay, and it's a priority for every single CEO in the world and every single employee. I mean, this is the the speech the, the, uh, which I'm uh, saying, hearing, uh, saying over and over every day, and which is at last at last understood by everyone for once on the planet. Really, I mean, company that would not hire me pre-COVID. They would feel me, I was just a crazy French guy adventurer. And now they're like, oh, we need people like us. We need to open the chakras. I'm like, did you actually say open chakras? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Go outside. I'm ready for this. <laughs> I mean, I was a, a, an association 
National Association of CPAs, expert comptable in French. Like, you know, I don't want to be judgmental, but, you know, usually extremely boring people, right? But they're not, of course. And they told me myself, the president, they say, I oh, know we, we are a little bit boring. It say with his own word, he say, we are psycho-rigid, which is the worst thing to describe yourself in France, which is the, the person who just see life in a box. And they say, he worked our whole life. The average is 55 years old. And we understand we can't no more manage our teams. We can't no more manage our clients. We can't no more manage our lives. We need emotion, passion, personal growth. So what I'm seeing is personal growth is here to stay forever. And I would just say, hallelujah. Yes, of course. Thank you, uh, Arnaud, for that. I, I, I'm always familiar with that expression that's open our chakras. And, and it's, it's interesting to, to, to hear it a little bit more uh, now uh, as, as well. Um, Thank you for saying that uh, personal growth is here uh, to stay. I think that there's no other way to go forward. I was reflecting on, on this yesterday um, and you know, there's this idea of what do we do that there's a little bit of, of uh, fear of control, right? There's a lot of uh, managers and a lot of uh, uh, business people a little bit freaking out because if, if working from home is here to stay, then how am I going to do to control people? How am I going to do to, to, to manage them, but manage them in the old sense of speaking, right? And when you think about this, uh, with personal growth uh, means that you're taking care of yourself. It means that if you take care of yourself and that if you believe on what you're doing, then together, then that equation gives you more motivation, more productivity, right? So, mm -hmm. On one side, offering the right space for that personal growth, but on the other side, offering as well the right motivation, which would be in the form of communicating the right vision, the right sense of purpose. Why, why are we working together in, in, in the end? Uh, why is it that we're actually communicating and speaking and working together for what purpose? And when you put those together, and if you have a uh, a strong feeling for both of them, then, then you get up in the morning uh, wanting to do something uh, for, for contributing, right? And it doesn't matter if it's from your home or in the office. So in a way, this fear of how am I going to control, perhaps I, I would like to offer the, the comparison. Sometimes we, uh, we speak in terms of, you know, in marketing, the, the people speak about push versus pull. And there's also this idea, right? Am I pushing my people to work or am I pulling them with the right culture, with the right conditions and with the right vision to right. have the right motivation? So I think this idea of push versus pull could be an interesting one to explore. Yeah, it's a great point, Antonio. I'd like to just say it's, it's interesting and I'm gonna ask, um, Laura had a, had a comment earlier in the chat about knowing how well the people know their teams. And along the line of the push-pull it's an important, uh, I just wanna mention it. You, know, you, you can't demand compliance from people and call it engagement. You know, change means choices. And I believe for the better, people are motivated today to, your, to everyone's point, much more so, uh, apparently much more so than simply following orders and money. So, you know, change means choices. And I think leaders and organizations have to uh, adapt quickly on an ongoing basis. So. Laura, to your point about leaders knowing their teams, uh, would you like to just build on that for a bit? Unmute. Well, I think actually one of the things that I've I've become very aware of. I'm I'm a Gallup Strengths Coach and a Master of Resilience, and I have seen a lot of people who are struggling because they've been stuck, particularly in organisations. They've rather been stuck in performance competencies. And so they're ticking boxes and ticking boxes and they're looking like high performers on paper. But of course that, you know, when you're doing that, you're not necessarily leveraging your key skills or your strengths. And so I've seen a lot of people who are becoming a little disengaged or a little stuck or at crossroads, not knowing where to go and how to, how, you know, how to move forwards because no one's actually capitalized 
on actually their individual strengths. So I think this is something that managers need to do is to actually look at what really energizes people, where they actually perform at their best, not just a tick box of business competencies. That, that's one thing that I've become very aware of, and I, and I urge people to think about that. Um, the second thing I wanted to mention as well goes back on, I know, Antonio, you were talking about purpose and vision. It is so important for the leaders to give the direction because, you know, it's all very well saying speed and action, but if people don't know what direction they're heading in, they're not going anywhere fast. Um, and I think a lot of this comes down to really clear communication, especially when you're seeing the hybrid team, some in the office, some out of the office, you know, you don't want two tiers of kind of talent management. So it's really how well are we leveraging our communication? Are we clear about it? Um, you know, sometimes I'm seeing an overload on every platform of communication. You know, how are we making sure that we've got, uh, you know, something that that everyone can clearly um, conform to um, and follow through so that they get the most out of it? So just a couple of things, competencies and, uh, and clear communication. I, I'll weigh in on, on, on that. This, this is a, a time where the leaders do need to realise that for good and for bad, the attention is on them. It's not about the, the millions of workers, I think, finding ways to adapt. They're going to adapt and get no thanks for it whatsoever. The leaders are going to go, OK, this is how we do it based on best practices and research. Or they're going to go, ah, I'm going to do it that way because I think it's the right. Um, or they're not going to do anything. But for the first time, um, if they don't do anything, business will fail. If they don't take action, business will fail. Livelihoods will end. So the, I, I think that the, the leaders and the middle management and HR people re need to realise that that this is a there's a wind of opportunity over the next 18 months where we find out what the new normal is is this rubbish word rubbish phrase that just keeps getting trotted out but we need to realize how things work at the coal face in the next 18 months and those leaders that aren't on the ball now and and managing it all the way through they're not going to be around in 18 months and, and if they and if they're not showing the creativity for, for leaders and management, they're not going to show the creativity for just adapting to working in a new uh, hybrid way of doing the things. So, yeah, I, I think that, that there is a great lot of pressure on leaders and I think they should feel it. I really do. Uh, George, thank you for for speaking about creativity, because I also wanted to to offer this idea. I think today we can a little bit imagine perhaps certain possibilities, but we're still in a moment where we're still surfing the waves, right? Yeah. We're, it's still changing constantly and very quickly. Hmm. So this part of creativity and agility is super important for, for leadership and for, for everybody. Absolutely. So that you can adapt uh, constantly and revenge yourself. A little bit what Sharad uh, was saying in the beginning, like uh, uh, trying something, learning and repeat again this cycle constantly and constantly yeah. means weekly or two or three times a, a, a week. And, but that means letting go as well. That means letting go of, of your plan, of your, uh, of your ideas on how to make a, a, a long-term plan and strategy. Yeah, you may have a, a, that vision, that purpose, and you may have a certain idea of certain steps. And then next, the, the day after, you review it again. Yeah, absolutely. If I may just uh, come in, Antonio, for a second. You know, in the olden days, leaders would probably work on the basis that uh, do what I say, not what I do. Okay. I think those times are over. Leaders have to lead by example. They have to walk the talk and then employees will follow. And teams are not just a group of people working together. They are a group of people who trust each other. Mm. Right. Okay. So a leadership has to define the course. Just to say we are in a hybrid world and work environment is not good enough. No. What is the definition? Who is coming to work? Who's working from home? What, what are their uh, you know, uh, realistic uh, goals? How are they going to be judged if they are working from home? Are they missing out because they are not at work? These are some of the issues that have to be clearly defined by leaders. Mm -hmm. Almost like the army, you know, when you get marching orders, every cadet is very clear on what he has to do. So leaders need to scope out and define the goals for for all team members. Sure, that's a that's yeah. a terrific that's yeah. a terrific analogy. You have you have an army of workers across the planet. 
in, yeah. in all the nations. And they're saying, what do we do? Yeah. And there's a small, much smaller number of generals that are stroking their chin and hiding behind each other because they don't want to make a decision. But you're absolutely right. It does need to come from the top. It, whether it, it needs to be delivered by the leaders, it needs to be adapted and embraced by the workforce who will be providing that model themselves anyway by just getting the job done. How many other people just get the job done? You know, there are lots of jobs where you just get the job done. I'm thinking special forces, perhaps, you know, but also journalism. This is why journalism often has um, phone tapping. Just get the job done. And so this is what the global workforce will do. They will just get the job done. Those leaders that are stroking their chin and saying, what do we do? What do we do? That is not a business model. <laughs> Finding out what's going to happen next is not a business model. <laughs> so they have to act quickly in order to concentrate on the business models, which will also be going through all sorts of changes because of blockchain, this supply chain wobbles that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just yeah, I just feel that um, building on what Antonio was saying and maybe on, on some of George's com comments, um, I think that the workforce, actually the people working for those leaders that you're talking about, they have plenty of ideas actually. Uh, they're not a silent army of people, you know, expecting orders. Uh, I think that's the, you know, the the last comparison I would use to describe the the, the companies I work with. Um, I think that they have experience, and they have plenty of ideas, and they have expectations. So Antonio uh, touched upon the the purpose, the meaning. Why would we do what we do? And before we get people together, it has become much more complicated. So we do have to ask why and when and for what and for how long and which people do we need to bring together, which is which is a very good question. I mean, we, we, we should have done that, you know, many more times than we have in the past. So now we really have to because it's, it's getting much more complicated. And also an interesting uh, trend that I've been seeing in the teams is that more than ever, some of the younger people have more experience than the leaders when it comes to technology in particular. And so they are the ones knowing how to deal with all those tools that we've been using because we're far away from one another. And they've been so comfortable connecting with other people that are far away. It doesn't really matter. And look at us today. It does matter where we are. We're just talking today mm. as if we were in the same room. Um, I didn't even mention where, <laughs> where I'm calling from. It doesn't matter. And right. so all those people, young people, uh, have something to bring to the table that they would not have had a few years back, which is you know, it's fascinating. And I'm just hoping that those leaders uh, will not forget to, um, to, uh, to, to rely on that experience and that willingness to, to, to do things in a new way. They're 100%. ready to adjust. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, just uh, have a thought right there, but just to, to clarify, Lorraine, just, I mean, you, sh you should tell everyone. I mean, you, you are calling from the spaceship of Richard Branson. Uh, oh, no, no, he, he's not my hero. No, not that one. Another one. <laughs> I'm calling from the world. Isn't that okay? Talking about great leaders, I think just maybe what's missing is, uh, I mean, not just, what's missing is the, the more role models. I just bought the latest book in France, the best business book. I read it's called the Les Grands Faux for all those one, all those ones speaking French, and it's the story of the great French leader. One of it is the richest man in the world now, the owner of LVMH, you know Louis Vuitton, Bernard Arnault. One of them is Bolloré. All of them have seventy thousand employees around the world, and many more guys. Five hundred page of interview of the six top French leaders. Not one word on compassion, not one word on gratitude, not one word on team building. And this is what the business student of French read. All of them saying, Bolloré is saying now, and it's, I admire him because he did build an amazing group and I admire uh, Bernard Arnault and all those guys, yet they say all the same thing. We, we look for prey, we kill it, we get inside, make it better, sell it. All the 500 pages about this. It's fascinating. It's a great business book. It's like a mercenary. It's a pirate book. I loved it. It was a page turner. But this is not the world now. It's we are, And those guys, of course, don't care because they're so at the, at the very top. They don't need to, 
you know, like it's it's when you try to convince, you know, 55, 60, 65 years old plus extremely successful people who succeed another way, not asking for purpose and passion to the young people. Why should it be otherwise? Because they killed it, they made it, they went to the top and they revere around the world. I mean, you know, I love Elon Musk. I read his bio, he's younger than those guys, but apparently when you work for Elon Musk, it's a bit of the same thing. A little bit more passionate guys on technology. But if you don't work 24-7, you'd fire from Elon Musk. Same thing as we all know with Jeff Bezos. I'm sure we have all met manager working at Amazon. We know, we know how he treats his people. Yet those guys are the role models. I don't know any, uh, we've, we've read here and there, those entrepreneurs and, you know, with a few thousands of employees, but and as long as they, they made role model, I mean, it's the same thing if we go back to politics. No one wants to be politicians since maybe Obama left because there's not amazing people to admire, right? Especially in, in this crazy time. So no one wants to be a politician. And, and same thing with young, uh, I think young person with, uh, with, with passion and purpose. They, 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 until they are more, they are those who are really changing paradigm are more known with their, their own techniques. Uh, it's it's a, a little bit more difficult for, I guess, us who are helping entrepreneur as coach and consultant in, in some way um, to, to, to make it known because you need, as a leader, you need to be revered. You need to, to fascinate. You need, you, 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 yeah, you need to be, uh, uh, to, to be fascinating to young people to other people to, and, and, and unless those guys, men or women show the way that vulnerability is the key, that purpose is the key, that, that, that listening to young people is the key. Uh, it's a bit of harder way for us. I think, I don't know. Up to you, John. Yeah, we have a question from Abla. Um, should leaders improve or develop their skills in a hybrid work? Uh, nowadays we work at home or, or, in the office, should leaders renew their skills to lead a team by using technology? I think it kind of points to what Loren said in terms of young people. Um, and I just want to point out, I invite anyone else on the call to, to jump in, make a comment. I'll actually um, in, invite JP to, uh, to share and unmute yourself. <laughs> you know that you're not going to get on the call, your dad on the call and not have something <laughs> Hey everyone. So, you want. <laughs> so, uh, so, so JP, as uh, as one of the young people on the call, um, how do you feel like um, you want to be engaged, or how do you find business now? I mean, you're a recent grad. Uh, you know, we have we have all these old people, uh, older people on the call, <laughs> um, and uh, I know you're not on camera because you probably are, are waking up and, and dealing with your business all over now. So how does it work for you? Is it, is it, do you want your leaders to evolve their technology and their, their leadership styles? Or what are you looking for at this point? I definitely would. Hey, everyone, by the way. Um, it's great to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've been working from home now for, for all of COVID, you know. Um, and I've had several, you know, I could, be, I could be a big complainer. So I've had several, uh, you know, pieces of feedback from my manager um but simply to answer the question yeah i would i would want my my manager and my leaders to renew their skills um in their technology um and to to the point where you what you guys were talking about earlier about maybe like 10 minutes ago um like standardizing the processes and standardizing the expectations for employees especially like entry-level employees like myself and my teammates would make our jobs um, a lot easier and and it would also set us up for success um, because the way that the way that I've onboarded on into this job um, basically what I do is I, I broker meetings between prospects and the sales reps and um, I make my commission off of that and the processes are not standardized at all so I've run into a bunch of confusion um, where you know I shouldn't be doing this you know, my manager says I shouldn't be doing this, but I, but I did that and I saw success doing that. Um, and then they have another kind of way that they want something to be done, but it's actually like a waste of time. Um, and it could be up if, if their, if their technology and tools were updated, we would avoid 
a lot of confusion and uh, it would set us up for, for, uh, for more success rather than kind of having a, an unnecessary step in a process that would set us up for failure. If that makes sense, it's kind of vague, but. Um, I think what you're, what you're getting at, and I'll ask the group at large, you know, setting, uh, setting expectations is obviously a critical point and, and being clear about it. Do you think that that's not being done? This is a question, not just for JB, but for the group at large. Do you think that that's a challenge now because people are uh, sticking with old ways of working or that they're, they're nervous to, to Sherrod's point about failing and failing fast and adapting, or they're just, um, they're trying to, I, I've liked the nomenclature because it, it seems to describe a lot. They're trying just to demand compliance and consider that engagement, right? So yeah. where, where do you feel like that or something else fits into this, JP or the group at large? Yeah, I guess quickly. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. yeah, somebody else. No, no, please. Uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Your point, and I'll, I'll come in right after you. Um, well, yeah, I think, um, you know, you, you go ahead. I kind of lost my thought. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. okay. I'm going to jump in. Rashid you've just said, right. I think everyone should be terrified about all of this. And if they're not, they're not reading enough. Yeah, I mean, the changes that are coming down the line, if these, if the managers do, if CFOs think that they can do this through money, they're not reading enough. If HR people think that their world is not going to change totally over the next 18 months and never return to normal, they're not reading enough. If any CEO thinks that life is going to be in any way resembles five years previously to five years in the future, they're not reading enough. There are so many exponential changes coming down the lines right now that, that fail fast and, 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 and change things and go back again. It's Google's line all over again. It's issue early, iterate often. It's the same thing. But Google also started out with, with you know, do no evil. They dropped that over the years. Yeah. Um, technology, we were talking about role models. We were talking about role models. You're right. There are no role models in politics or in technology at the moment. And this is why I'm going to call back right at the beginning, Loren, when we were saying about the, um, the armies of people there. If we're talking, these are billions of people at a global scale. And you need one in 10 of them to say, well, I'm not having this anymore. I'm going to go and set off on my own. Then you have a massive self employed work workforce. But that's only if they can actually get the business that is existing. They're not creating new business. They'll just be finding the business that's there and just stealing the lunch of those companies that aren't prepared for this. So short-term pessimist, long-term optimist, you know, the, 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 the people will get what they demand over time. You know, these people that say that the, the, the cities will never be gutted and change, you know, Give it 200 years and come back. You'll see that that city centre is entirely different. Um, these are things that are coming down the line. I mean, yeah, George's points, and, and Rajiv, jump in as you wish. I think it's interesting to look at, you know, we, JP is currently, um, he's based in Austin, Texas. And he could, as we all could, work literally for anyone, anywhere, at any time. So the, the decentralization of the workforce that's that's exploded, like the curve of it was accelerating, but it just shot straight up with COVID. How do you engage these teams in ways that are meaningful and productive for your organization, not just culturally, but bottom line results? Because someone like JP or you or me, you know, we can deliver services anywhere. You know, so from an HR perspective, as you said, or from a CEO perspective, if you're not, even if you're reading, if you're not courageous enough to take a, a dramatic shift, and you touched on a great word before, George, and I'll, I'll shut up after this. Uh, trust. You have to be willing to practice and, and forgive the nomenclature. You have to be willing to practice radical trust. You have to say, great, George, and then close your computer and say, this is, and, and the bottom line is the results will speak for themselves. You know, the, the challenge now, and I'll, I'll guess I'll put this question to the whole group. How do you, how do we as leaders engage our teams productively when they've been largely independent physically, you know, uh, working where they're working. And those that have lasted, have adapted and have succeeded. Now, how as leaders, I have several clients I'm talking to that said, I need everyone back in the office. And I said, how, how do you, how are you going to explain that to your teams? You know, someone who I have a client who said, you know, they can't previous to COVID, um, they have a person who wants to work from home one day a month. They said they can never do their jobs one day a month from home. <laughs> Guess what? They're doing their jobs every day from home for 18 months. And yeah. the C-suite will say, 
they're doing a better job. So how do you take that now and say, well, we have to, everybody back in the office, we have this fixed CapEx that's going to drive our uh, bottom line, you know, ROI, um, P&L, and we have, to, we have to be accountable to Wall Street. We have to be accountable to this, to that. So I think that we're measuring success in different ways. You and me, the people on this call are looking at this in a holistic way. Whereas C-suite people, particular public or public companies are worried about how is this going to affect share price? You know, and, and I can say this literally, <laughs> I'm 50 something years old. I'm looking to like, you know, cash out in the next 10 years or say, and I want to make sure I make decisions that are going to drive share price because my options are my retirement. I'm not really worried about JP. <laughs> I'm not worried about the kid there, you know, who's starting out yeah. looking for a, a meaningful purpose. I have to drive share price or I'm, I'm going to lose my job. How do we balance all these competing priorities to the group? Yeah, if I may just come in, there's an interesting article I read yesterday on fastcompany.com, which said, uh, this is the time for introverts. You know, the people who love to fly solo, they don't mind working from home at all. They just love it because they're not in the socializing scene. And this is their time. So it's the, the time for everybody. It's the, it's, it is. It's for everybody to, to, to absolutely play to their strengths. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Rajiv, uh, you want to come in? Yeah, you know, I, I, I love where this conversation is headed because, you know, going back to JP's point and what, what John Scott just addressed was, I think the gap is not, organizations need to start to meet people where they are. And, and the thing is, we spoke about measuring, you know, we don't know all the answers and therefore we need to measure. We need to start to identify. So, uh, you know, Lauren came in and spoke about strengths. Apart from strengths, yes, absolutely. Start to know where you are. You know, identify your culture, identify where your people are emotionally, touch base with, you want to standardize systems to make things better for people, but understand where they are first. And in change, if, if when you want to transform organizations, you benchmark where you are and you move yourself forward. And just like everyone here is saying, leaders do have to bring purpose to the table, but guess what? You know, one in two leaders around the world don't even have their own purpose established, yet they write mission statements, guys. So, you know, if, if you don't know your own purpose, you're closing your eyes and driving on the road, it's dangerous, right? So just like that, start with your purpose, identify the purpose of people in your organization as well, because guess what? The biggest inspiration you can bring to your people is having them being self-inspired through their own purpose. And if your organization takes them there, yeah. guys, yeah. half the work is, is bringing people on the same alignment. It's aligning your organization at this point in time. Now, Antonio, I'll throw it back to you because I know this is something that you're, you know, you're, you're big on. So you can pick up from here. Thank you. Thank you, Rajiv. Uh, no, thank you. It's super interesting. Um, I have been reading articles about you know, statistics of people leaving their jobs right now uh, in the US, in Europe, and the trend is just keeps on going, right? And the past 18 months have been a, a moment of really touching base with, with yourself and asking yourself, uh, what, why am I doing what I'm doing? Right. And, and if tomorrow I have to get back to commute two hours to get to a job that I don't really like and then commute two hours back home to not even really see my family, do I really want to do that again? And a lot of people are saying, no, I, I don't want to do that uh, again. I'd rather be doing something else. And that's something else everybody's looking for. But then it means that at an individual, uh, at an individual uh, way, a lot of people are getting to that congruence. Uh, and if I don't have my congruence uh, um, aligned with the reason or the purpose of uh, the group that I belong to, the company that I belong to, the organization that I belong to, to, to work and to contribute, then it's not gonna add up. Uh, I'm gonna try to do something else. I, I think a lot of people were not giving themselves that opportunity before, and now it's just a, a trend that is uh, right there and that uh, uh, just puts the challenge that John Scott was speaking about. Uh, right how, how do I bring people back to the office? What are the arguments to, to ask them to come back to the office? Well, maybe, maybe that's not the right question to be asking. Maybe the right question is, uh, how, what is it that glue us together what is it that we want to create in the world together? And then, then we figure out how to do it. And it can be from home or in the office or in, uh, uh, around the world, you know, well, wherever, whenever, 
uh, in, in whichever country. So as long as we're uh, we're aligned with that with that common purpose and that with that common uh, vision, and if I adhere to that, if I subscribe to that, then I guess I can put my energy into it, no matter if it's from home or from somewhere else. What do you think, guys? Yeah, Sharad just uh, put in the chat a work-life balance is key, and I always find that I find that term today to be uh, interesting because for me, and and JP can jump in with this. People either think I always work or I never work, depending on when they see me in the day. Either I'm on a call at one and three and four in the morning, or I'm, I'm when my kids were little, I was picking them up from school. So it was very confusing. Like, when do you work? And uh, I think that the work-life balance has taken on a totally different meaning for, for all of us around the world, right? Because for me, you know, I'm looking for freedom. Freedom to, to contribute as much as I can, freedom to drive changes as powerfully as I can, freedom to go for a run if I want to take off for two hours, freedom to go fly to Texas to see my son. So I think that freedom is being decentralized much more than at the executive levels, right? Because no one ever questioned the CFO working from home, CEO working from home. They had freedom to do whatever they felt like. The, the opportunity now for someone, uh, hold on, this is JP, what did you say? Oh, I just, you're talking about work-life balance yeah. and uh, they, my company calls it their source code, but it's basically their, you know, their, their mission statement and whatnot. And uh, they, they like to put it that there is no such thing as a work-life balance. I, I was wondering what you guys might think of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it, it, it depends if you're, for you to work productively, and this is true for me, for you, and for all of us on the call live and listening after you know, what situations do you, are you able to control and put yourself into that is productive and makes you efficient and happy? And to Arnaud's point, you know, the top people, he read a book, no one talked about compassion, no one talked about empathy, mm -hmm. no one talked about purpose. You know, I think your generation, JP, uh, is, is going to drive a massive change. You know, the people of us at the, at the older end of the, of the scale, or at least on this call, um, yeah. And as Laura said, work is a part of our life. Like I love what I do. Like I'll, I'll get zoned in, um, to the point where my girlfriend would be like, you know, what are you working on? And I'm like, Oh, she goes, you've been doing it for three hours. So I'm like, have I, like, I just totally zone in. So I love to pursue things that I feel passionate about. And I, perhaps that luxury, exactly Laura and the flow, uh, perhaps that luxury is something that more and more people see as requirement for their job. You know, we're at points in our life where, we have the choice to do this. Um, the opportunity to do that at all levels within your organization and for leaders to our purpose today, for yeah. leaders to harness the power of that collective and individual purpose. You know, we talk about introvert, extrovert. You know, I'm a fairly extroverted person to put it mildly, but I need my time. You know, Lorenz laughing because she knows me really well. And I'm sure JP is cracking up on mute. But the reality is if I don't have my balance, whatever that means to you or to me, you know, if I'm not leading my teams in a way that's efficient, if I'm not helping my clients in a way that's efficient, you know, that's a moving, evolving, amorphous reality that it takes courage and it yeah. takes the willingness, I'll leave it on this point, to say the three most important words for a leader, three of the, I won't say the most, but three really important, which is, I don't know. Hmm. You know, so no one, any leader yeah. who talks confidently about where they are in the direction of their organization today is absolutely full of it because there's so many moving parts and moving pieces to say, I don't know. And to ask your people and to get that meaningful feedback, that's what a leader of the future is going to be doing if they're successful. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll kick it back to the group for a commentary on this. Yeah. I might, yeah, I might add a comment on what you're saying and what others have been saying about leaders. Um, I agree with uh, Arnaud, we, 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 when we say leaders, uh, we always talk about the same 10 guys, okay, I won't mention them, I won't mention their companies, because I guess everyone knows uh, who they are. Um, that being said, as I said earlier, uh, joking with Arnaud, um, I'm not fascinated at all by those people. I've seen some of them up close, and the way it works when they're around I would never work in that way with that atmosphere in the company. Um, I don't feel like doing anything for those people. 
So it's just me, but I'm saying there are plenty of other leaders. Some of them don't make that much noise, but what they do in their company, and they have been doing for sometimes 30 years. Uh, you know, they're, they're, we, we know some of the alternatives to controlling leadership. Uh, some of them have been around for decades and that's where you get the results. And I'm really hoping that what's, what we're living this year and last year and next year will actually um, accelerate all that and, and show that um, leaders are not the ones saying, as you just said, I have the answer to everything because I'm the boss. I don't think it works that way anymore. No. Um, and and they, they would rather uh, say, I might have one answer, but there are others and I'd be happy to hear what the team has to say. And maybe what the team has to say, it's several people. So it might be much more interesting than what one individual has to say. And I really believe that lots of companies uh, are heading that way. And I, I'm, I'm sure that Jeppe's generation is, is actually uh, pushing in that direction. I think it's already happening. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, raise your hand. So if you have a question or join to jump in, please do so. Uh, yeah, um, before to, I have just a comment, but before to, to say that I would like to, to uh, thank you all of you, all of you uh, for this presentation. So concerning about uh, what we are talking about, leader, leader and uh, uh, I would like to, to, to say what I studied in my university because I I studied that a leader is someone who have like a vision who also have uh, so, uh, like I say a vision in a long term doesn't uh, also give like uh, a task to the to the team uh, that they lead she or he leads and. Uh, I also study that a leader is someone who have like uh, innovative ideas and uh, they have like a creativity, like skills. And I would like to, to ask you if is it uh, uh, what I said is correct or not, or is it like in the same context that what you that you all of us say it or not? That sounds like a description of a terrific leader that you've uh, that you've just given there, and and I don't think that, that a lot of leaders that we'd run into on a day to day basis would would meet up to that. I, I don't. I think at the moment, if you are not leading, you're not a leader. If you're not saying this is where we're going, you're not a leader anymore. This, so th there needs to be that creativity that you just mentioned. There needs to be th that leadership and that together. Um, I think some of the things that we can perhaps zero in on is this word hybrid. Everyone's like saying about hybrid work and, and, and this type of thing. At the moment, we're calling it hybrid cars, hybrid cars, um, because they're trying to wean us off of oil. In 30, 40, 50 years time, we're just going to call them cars. They're just cars. So today we're calling this hybrid work. Maybe we should call these guys hybrid leaders. Yeah. Until you've actually got back into the leading game, you're just a hybrid leader. You know, we need the real leaders that are going to see us through this period where we're saying hybrid this and hybrid that. And a million leaders means a million different opinions, means a million different I'm rights. So, yeah, the, the, the guys lower down the chain need to put that pressure up. The guys at the top, the boards need to say, guys, you're out of your depth in 2021. So there needs to be pressure come from the top and from the bottom. And if you're in the middle thinking, what the hell is going on? Read more. You need to be leading right now. That's what you need. And this fetishization of 10 technology leaders as the, the, the bill and end all of technology, for example, is rubbish. There are millions, there are tens of millions. There are hundreds of millions of leaders out there all making money. I, I, I'm not even going to say about the leaders that are in charity and such like. But there are leaders in every single town and city on the planet, and they all need to be finding out what the new way of, we need to drop the word hybrid. This is just how it is now. I'm going to I'm going to let other people jump in before I. I just want to come in to say that Antonio has a surprise for all of us, and oh. he's going to reveal it now. Over to you, Antonio. Thank you, Sharat. So as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm also a graphic facilitator. So as we've been having our conversation today, uh, bear with me a second. I've been sketching some of the some of the ideas. I'm going to share that with you in a moment. 
and maybe you can see it now. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Just because we're getting close to to the hour, and you know, it's not everything, but a, a few ideas that you can uh, take uh, with you in a visual way. Uh, the questions for the leaders, the idea of uh, failing fast, learn and repeat, uh, purpose, push and pull. Uh, I need to open our chakras today. I'm going to open, open more chakras. chakras. Yes, <laughs> today's mantra. Uh, is high performance? Is it like uh, ticking boxes or not? And you know, no, nobody said it like this, but I'm capturing capturing it in this way. Radical change is here to stay. I think. Absolutely. I think what we call the new normal is that radical change is going to happen all, all the time. We just need to be like that leader in the softboard over there, willing to say, I don't know, but hey, guys, let's figure it out together. Love it. Thanks, Antonio. And I can say firsthand, uh, as Loren can as well, Antonio has done this uh, masterfully uh, in four or five continents that we've worked together on. Uh, and it's an incredibly useful tool to be able to be as skilled a consultant and uh, coach as he is, and also be able to work this side of his brain as uh, mystical to me and to many of us on the, on the call. So, uh, so thanks so much for sharing that, uh, that, that side of your gifts. What's, yeah, thanks Antonio. So it's interesting because Laura brought up a good point too, and I know we're getting close to wrapping up. Um, it's, let me make sure I'm, I'm phrasing, uh, I'm paraphrasing you correctly. Uh, you can't learn leadership from a textbook. Leadership is the ability to influence others as a result of understanding people. And you know, I think back to, and I'll just be my final point. Simon Sinek, uh, when he rewrote the book on infinite leadership, talks about how we have areas of the companies that someone's title will explain what they're responsible for. Chief financial officer, responsible for finance and the money. Chief marketing officer, blah, blah, blah. What is it, what is, it describes their function. So when we talk about a CEO, what, what does executiving mean? The suggestion is that we have leaders as vision should be a chief vision officer and leaders are not shouldn't be managers in terms of the tasks. So how do we if I drop that little <laughs> bomb and go, how do how do we on the call feel about this? How do we feel about leadership in this hybrid world? As George said, it's just the world. The quicker we evolve to that nomenclature, the better for all of us. Otherwise, people are going to qualify success based on, well, this is hybrid success. And that's we're going to go back to normal. You know, and, uh, and I leaned into a conversation literally on a, on a video last year and I said, it's over. <laughs> it's never going back. Yeah, yeah, before. You'd need another planet to call this as, uh, you, need, <laughs> you know, you, you would, because this is normal. Normal against what? This is the planet that we've got. Well, no, it's just life. It's just life. Yeah. Um, and and the, you're absolutely right. I do believe that perhaps it is a nomenclature thing. Perhaps it is a labels thing. Perhaps hybrid is going to just take all of our bandwidth of thought um, for so long until we realise that, oh, we just get so bogged down with these words. Let's just get the work done. Um, so, yeah. Anybody else? Part, yeah, I, I just want to add, um, um, building on what you just said, John Scott, um, I think that less than ever, um, there is no answer for everyone. And so I think that it's really high time for companies that have not started yet to focus on their culture, which goes back to listening to their people and how they, you know, their strengths, their skills, uh, what they've learned and how they adjusted to the, to the pandemic and to the work from home or work from any place situation. And I think that each company will have to focus on who, who are we? Hmm. Going back to the why are we? Uh, but I think that's, you know, I, I would believe that all the answers are actually inside the company. No one else can tell them how to um, talk to their people. You know, you mentioned earlier communications, uh, how to tell them when and for how long they have to go back to the office or not. Hmm. Uh, the procedures, the processes, uh, when we work away from the office, I think that all of that is actually going back to the culture, the very culture, the very identity of the companies, which is a challenge because there is no recipe. <laughs> Otherwise, we would be out of a job. Um, and uh, so I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating, actually, to really find the right answer for every uh, corporation. And your so point. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, just, just very quickly, uh, we have uh, just about four minutes before we wrap up. So uh, what I suggest is uh, 
I'm just going to put a question up there and give you guys maybe one minute each to, uh, you know, to just summarize what you think uh, will be takeaways from today's uh, webinar. My question is very simple. What do organizations need to do today to be future ready? We can go in any order. John Scott. Uh, they need to um, look at the behavioral benchmarks of their people, like how they, what drives behavior and uh, organizationally and what the motivational metrics are, because those are changed. Those vectors have changed so dramatically that it, uh, in order to be future ready, you have to understand where people are going to be from a behavioral perspective, how they're going to be changing and adapting ideally. And then where does the motivation meet that? behavior because those two are going to change as you know like my loop uh, goes into this so i think that leadership is going to look at behavior and motivation critically uh, in order to take action that's going to be generative so i'll kick it back i'll kick it over to rajiv you know i i second that i think now it's the time for conscious leadership this is what i'm saying we need aware and awake leaders who operate from the heart you know who listen we need to measure you know Everyone has voiced and echoed that today. You need to measure, see where you're at, measure your cultures. Not enough having five words on the wall, guys. It's measure, how are we showing up? You know, measure emotion. What's our emotional quotient in organizations? You know, we need to, I know you said it, man, compassion, empathy, you know, it's not just words. We need to bring it to the table. Leadership is about role modeling. And guess what? We are human, we need to role model that. So conscious leadership is my vote, is where we need to take this. I'm not. I'll get, I guess I'll go, um, I mean, uh, all of you know how much I am already into conscious leadership and I just wanted to add more, maybe something else for me would be just, what if you were to start anything with a, a, a you know, from a blank page, right? For, with an open mind, or as we see in Buddhist term, you know, with a beginner's mind, really start from the start, which is really scary leaders, but all that work I've done with those guys, look at it. What if you were to start from scratch? I just want to read it a few lines. Someone sent me that on WhatsApp in French, but I'll translate in English. It, apparently, it comes from the, the chief of Indian Hopi, White Eagle. And he apparently said that a few days ago. And he said that that moment that humanity is living can be either considered, and I love it, either as a, as a whole, H-O-L-E, or as a door. The decision to fall in the hole and just see negativity and not trust anyone around, your employee, your family, everyone around it, is up to you or to decide to open a door, to decide to look at life as a, with, a, with a new way and to start taking really, really take care of you. What is it that you really, really want? And what is it that people really, really need, really, really want? So take care of your house, spiritual house, we could say any kind of entity take care of your house take care of your body take care take care of, uh, of everyone else thank you antonio thank you i don't know um how to be future ready i really like this idea of thinking the best way to adapt to the future is to create it to create the future so and in order to do that um what i take what loren was saying let's get back to the who are we and then the second step to the why are we together? So what is the kind of world that we want to see in the future? And how do we want to contribute to create it? And then with that, I think everything else is adaptability in terms of uh, human relationships, in terms of technology, in terms of management, you figure that out. But first things first, who are we and what is the kind of world that we want to create? And what do we do to contribute to create it? Thank you. I pass it to George. Yeah, Lauren and George. I don't. Lauren. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was. My first instinct was to answer. Um, uh, companies will be ready for the future uh, when they are themselves, um, and I think that it it does imply not only to allow for more people to make important decisions, but some in some places I would say to admit that more people make important decisions in companies. George. I was trying to think of the most applied way to do this. Every CEO on this call should go away now and arrange the great corporate reality check of 2021. 
If they call that meeting, they're in charge. If you're not a CEO, go and tell your CEO that he's going to organise the great reality check conference of 2021. And he's on the back foot then, or she's on the back foot then. But a reality check event of some, de- of some description with the endorsement of everybody would be absolutely the way forward, I think, at the moment. Allow us to, to stroke our chins and navel glaze and find the right way forward. Save the planet. Stop um, global warming. This is the time. There's opportunities within all of these problems. Great call for action, George. Uh, so it's time for me now to say thank you to each one of our panelists, uh, for, uh, to the audience for investing your 60 minutes with us. And I promise to come back to all of you in September and maybe we walk the talk and actually do a hybrid event with in-person, right? Uh, So let's plan that sometime in September. Or let's just call uh, it an event, not a hybrid event. It's an event. event. (laughs) We'll be the first. Agreed. So uh, thank you all and uh, stay tuned to onlywebinars.com for our future announcements. And uh, we hope to see you soon on the other side. And stay safe, everybody. Thank you once again.